Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Did you know, this is an amazing fact I learned the other day, did you know that Robert Lewandowski eats his food backwards? What do you mean he eats his food backwards? Like what does that mean? It's like on rewind. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he starts with dessert. Okay, so he doesn't start with dinner in the morning. No, not like that. Okay, no, he starts with dessert. <laughs> but he starts with the dessert. Did that's, you know that? That's really weird. I believe his wife. What did I tell you? His wife is a nutritionist. Yeah. So, yeah. But I told you that for for someone but who's that's... a professional athlete, getting sugar first is probably a good idea. Yeah, I mean, he could just. <laughs> they could just make like make a starter that's sugary, and not like have an actual dessert to start with, because that's weird. I don't know if I want a sugary starter. Imagine Lewandowski on those social um, dinners. It must be. Oh, he, that's he comes annoying. in and yeah, everyone says, oh, <laughs> Jesus, that weirdo again. So what, what are we going to do? Yeah, like, does he what go out for dinner and order the cake with the scoop of ice cream first? Yeah, and, 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 and he's going to get the canapes and the martini the in the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if Robert Lewandowski is listening to the podcast, but if he is... Oh, he's a listener for sure. If he is... <laughs> I'd love him to get in touch, podcast1football.com, and let us know how it works if you go to a restaurant. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if he can afford going to a restaurant. Anyways, <laughs> but. He probably has his own private chef anyway. <laughs> anyway, enough of all that. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football podcast is Andre Gonzalez. Hello. And Lewis Ambrose. Hello. As we said, the usual email if you want to get in touch, and your name is Robert Lewandowski. One football or podcast at onefootball.com is the email address. Get all your questions in there. Or should you wish, you can get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating and leave a comment to let us know how you think we're doing. Now, it's been a while since our last confession and so much has happened since then, including, but not limited to, the £75 million transfer of Virgil van Dijk, Ross Barkley's move for £15 million to Chelsea and, of course, Coutinho. Did I get it right? Yeah. If I was a typical Brazilian, <laughs> Coutinho. Yeah, okay, is. very good. Uh, to Barcelona. That sigh you can hear is the relief of every single football fan around the world not having to talk about whether or not he'll be joining the club. So, Andre, 140 million, Coutinho. Good mm. deal for club and player? I think it's a good deal for everyone involved, to be honest. Including Liverpool? Mostly for Liverpool. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a lot of money. You cannot say no to that amount of money. You would be crazy to say no to that amount of money Lewis you're nodding in agreement yeah I think Liverpool Coutinho's got the deal that he wants but I think Liverpool have come out of this as the winners really well you're going to have to go on with with that 140 million pounds yeah you, you just you don't say no to but they've lost they've lost one of their best players one <laughs> of he's, he did, I, I think that's a point that he's not even Liverpool's best player and they've they've kept their best player who's probably Mohamed Salah now um, yeah, they've lost one of their best players. Liverpool score enough goals, and Coutinho doesn't bring defensive stability or anything to the team. He brings creativity and goals. And now they're going to have to field a front three of Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, and Mohamed Salah. So I don't think they have. Like obviously, they need to improve. They've already signed Van Dijk, and they're signing um, Naby Keita for the summer. Um, but I, I don't think it's an enormous, devastating blow to Liverpool. And a good move for Barcelona, you think? I think so. Um, considering that Barcelona completely uh, forgot about La Masia and, and about grooming their own players, um, they need a replacement in a long-term uh, situation for 
um, Iniesta, and Coutinho could be that man. He's going to need to come back on in a pitch like 20 minutes, 20 meters, uh, meters or th more even. But it's um, it's an interesting point. Iniesta does play a lot deeper than Coutinho does. Yeah, but the thing is, when Coutinho started, he he was playing deeper than he is now at Liverpool. So uh, that's why I think he has the DNA to to do it. Okay, well that's very good. Smiles all around. I did like the story about Luis Suarez. Did you hear this one? No. That I think uh, the Barcelona president, whose name escapes me, Bartomeu. Bartomeu. Bartomeu said, uh, was talking to the lads and said, look, we need to find a nice hotel for Coutinho when he moves over. And Suarez was like, no, 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 don't worry. I've already signed for a house for him. Mm. <laughs> Next to where himself and Messi live, some sort of fancy beach town near oh, Barcelona. Nice. Okay. That's nice, isn't it? It's nice. Uh, I'd like to have a friend who'd sign a house they, for me. They play like together that. at Liverpool, so I, I figure they're... Uh, friends, I figure they probably are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of people seem bemused as to why Liverpool had to sell him now and why Barcelona had to buy him now. Can anybody explain that? I don't think Liverpool had to sell him now, um, but we've we've already said that 140 million pounds is a ridiculous offer, and he's a player who wanted desperately to leave the club in the summer. Liverpool managed to keep him against his will and he played really well for the first half of the season there's no guarantee that he's going to continue to do that if they turn him down a second time and you know anything could happen what if Coutinho goes and breaks his leg in the second half of the season and Liverpool suddenly don't get 140 million pounds which I think they've probably already spent on those two big transfers coming in so I think it was just smart I don't think they had to but I think it was logical to sell him now uh, as for Barcelona, I there are a few theories going around. It means Iniesta can get a break for Champions League games. His price might go up after a brilliant World Cup if he had that. Mm -hmm. So, and then next season, you know, they've got La Liga wrapped up already. But next season, there's no bedding in period. They can go into the Champions League and into the La Liga season with Coutinho fully integrated into the side. I think it makes sense for everybody. And also, I, there's there's this gap, this superstar gap uh, at Barca right now. After Neymar uh, leaving, everyone thought that uh, Barca would go for a superstar in, uh, in the summer, and they couldn't. They went for Dembélé, which is quite good, but not quite a superstar. And now Coutinho is, is the guy. And I had a question which I've just forgotten. No, I remember it now. <laughs> Antoine Griezmann. What does it mean for Antoine Griezmann? I don't know if it if it means anything to be honest. <laughs> That's the thing. So are they? Because there's still there was loads still loads of talk of that. I don't happening. think. I don't think. I don't honestly. I don't think that Barca <laughs> uh, uh, need a player like Griezmann right now. So okay. I don't know what that means. I would. I always thought Griezmann would end up in the Premier League at Manchester United. That Pro seems to me the probably, most logical move for him. He's in a great club right now. So yeah, but if you want to win things, Dre. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's not the only player that Barcelona are signing this month. There's also Yeremina. Dre, you are Colombian defender expert. Maybe not can, quite. Um, maybe you can tell us a bit about him. No, I, I saw him playing a couple of times um, in Brazil. And um, I, I can say that 
if if he shows in Spain what what he showed in Brazil, it's a great signing for for Barcelona. What are they going to get from him? What type of what type of defender it, is it he? Is, he's one of those um, dominant and exuberant centre backs. Is um, is very good uh, in the air. Um, powerful header. He scores goals, which is something that we all appreciate on a centre back. Um, he's very very tall, one ninety five, which is like six four. It's almost as tall as Dan Burke. <laughs> it's, almost, it's true, true that. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to find someone like that. Um, <laughs> and he's still really young. He's 23 uh, with a very good positional sense on, on the pitch. Um, he's probably a bit too impetuous when it comes to tackling, but uh, he's going to work on that. I hope so. Uh, Maturity will bring that to his game. Though. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, he's also the first Colombian uh, to play for Barcelona ever, which is uh, that's incredible. Very, it, it's it's great uh, when market-wise. Uh, Barcelona is uh, is already uh, a great brand in South America. It's one of the the greatest clubs in Colombia. Uh, but now they're going to have Yerimina. So if we're talking about selling shirts and all the merchandising connected to the the modern modern football we know, it's also a nice a nice move for for Barca. And uh, every time he scores, he has a kind of trademark dancing that oh, yeah. you're going to see uh, soon in Europe. Are we talking sort of more dab or more sort of Saturday Night Fever? No, more salsa thing. Oh. Yeah. It's elect- electric salsa. Wow, well, I look uh, forward to that. Looking forward to it uh, also. And that's Mascarano out. Uh, it looks like it because uh, they need the the, the foreign uh, the, the foreign spot in uh, in La Liga. So uh-huh. it, it it looks like Mascherano is leaving for Yerimina, but oh, there's all um, there's a tiny problem right now. So the deal was made for 12 million, but it was supposed to to happen only um, in the, after the World Cup uh, mm-hmm. this season. But Barca, they want it right now. And Palmeiras are saying that you can get him right now, but you need to pay an extra three million on top of this. So this is the, the, the deal was uh, technically done since the end of 2016, but not totally done because they want more money. Three million. They'll find a way. Yeah, I think it, so. It's probably down the back of the couch or something like that. It's, it's <laughs> gone to Coutinho. It's gone to Coutinho. <laughs> uh, just going back to Liverpool for a second, Lewis, I want you to imagine your Jurgen Klopp. You've got those bright white teeth. You're listening to hard rock, and you now have all that money, that 140 million. It's burning a hole in your pocket. Who would you get in to replace Coutinho? Uh, I I don't think they have that money. I I, I really think that money's probably been spent on Virgil Van Dijk uh, and Naby Keita coming in. I think that amounts to about 130 million, which is just shy of the Coutinho fee. Um. And I, I think that's also the best way to spend the money. I, Liverpool aren't Liverpool aren't going to go out and sign a hundred and forty million pound player. With, with all due respect, a hundred and forty million pound player, whatever that means, um, wouldn't sign for Liverpool because Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and Manchester City would be interested in them. So Liverpool can't go and sign somebody who will replace Coutinho directly. Already said that the front three now with Salah, Mane, and Firmino is still brilliant. And then Oxlade-Chamberlain to come in. And Oxlade-Chamberlain is also a, a Liverpool player, yeah. Um, but behind, even behind that, there's uh, Ben Woodburn, the teenager, who is surely going to get some minutes in the next year or two. Um, Dominic Solanke has started a few Premier League games lately. He's not 
really performed brilliantly yet, but Klopp clearly sees something in him and they didn't sign him from Chelsea for no reason. So even in the front three, there are young backups Mm -hmm. ready to step in. And I think Liverpool have no problem going forward with or without Coutinho. And I, I really do think the club have probably spotted or decided that and they've decided actually they'd be better served spending half of the fee on Virgil van Dijk and really strengthening the back line. And Naby Keita, I for people who haven't seen him in the Bundesliga, it can't really be understated, overstated how good he is. Okay, He can do everything. And if you take... If he takes Vinaldum's place in the eleven, for example, that is an enormous upgrade. So I think they've improved in other areas, knowing full well that they can't just go and replace Coutinho. And still haven't bought a keeper. I'll never yeah. get it. <laughs> Surely that's next. Uh, speaking of Van Dijk, so he's already scored a winning goal in a Merseyside derby and put on a pretty classy, assured display. You guys think he'll be worth the seventy-five million? I don't think he, he the seventy-five is way too much money. Well, but. A friend of mine was making the point to me that you know central defenders are a bit rare these days, like really good ones, and that the best ones Liverpool just couldn't attract the sort of the likes of Hummels or a uh, Boateng. So they have to go for somebody like a Van Dijk. I think Van Dijk's a good defender. I, I think Liverpool's problems defensively can be actually leaving defenders exposed. It's not because the defenders themselves are bad. Everyone thought Dejan Lovren was brilliant when he was at Southampton. Um, but I think Van Dijk is a really good defender, and I, I at the fee. I think I think we need to start ignoring fees in football, mm. or start just realizing it's it is what it is. It lives in its own bubble from anything else. And the so if you go through the the history of the world record transfer, which always goes up, obviously. Um, Records the, tend to go up. Yeah, they do. The most expensive defender has always been roughly a third at the time of the most expensive player in the world. Oh, That's really? what Van Dijk is compared to Neymar's transfer in the summer. Um, and also, not only that, but this is the same. If you if, if someone's richer, they're going to pay more for things. And I, I think I said to you the other day that if you take the Van Dijk fee as an amount of the revenue that Liverpool generate in a year, it's pretty much in proportion with what Man United played for Rio Ferdinand all those years ago. Dre? I agree with the numbers uh, that that Lewis presented, um, particularly when we're talking about the Premier League, which is a very particular environment. Um, However, um, I, I get it doesn't, it, it doesn't add up. It's like it's uh, it's too much money for um, a centre back. Um, there is good, but I but it's not top top top. You know, that's the thing. We used to spend this crazy amount of money for for someone that you know that is on the top, and I don't think Van Dyke is that. That's what makes the difference because you spend two hundred crazy million on on uh, Neymar. And everyone would say, okay, this guy is on the top. It makes sense to, to splash all this cash on this guy. I don't see that with Van Dyke. I cannot place him in the top five centre-backs in the world. That's that's the, the, the thing. I think, I think that's part of the point, going back to what Ian said, is Liverpool can't sign mm. Boateng or Hummels or Sergio Ramos or whoever else you want to put in that ranking of centre-backs. So what do you do? Do you spend 20 or 30 million on a Mangala? Or or do you spend way more, but for someone who you know is good? They're not the best centre-back in the world, but you know they're definitely good. Is good, 
Yeah, but when when you throw uh, Mangala into the pile, things get really weird. <laughs> things get obscure. But I, I guess my point is just that there's a lot of centre backs who could who would cost Liverpool less than 75 million, 40 million, 30 million. But are they actually good? And especially, I think that system are so much of its defenders. They're so exposed, and could they actually live with that? I think that's the question. Uh, another question, of course, is the last one I wanted to ask you about the transfer window for now. Uh, Ross Barkley, a snip at 15 million. Yeah. You're both looking at me what? with blank faces. 15 million. <laughs> 15 million for the man who's going to be the next Frank Lampard. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, uh, it's a wow. way... Frank Lampard Sr. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his contract was about to end in the yes. end of this season, right? Chelsea got a bargain yeah, out of this. I, they I were going to pay 35 million if, last time around. Even if Ross Barkley is... Absolutely, neither of us. I, I don't know about you as well. I think you, you're with us. That we're not big Ross Barkley fans. No, I think he's okay. Okay, well, yeah. myself and Dre okay. certainly yeah. aren't big Ross Barkley fans. But for fifteen million pounds, if he is completely awful, a club like Crystal Palace or West Ham would bid twenty or twenty-five million to take him off Chelsea's hands <laughs> a, a year from now. See Andy Carroll for further details. Well, yeah. So yeah. I, so actually, somehow I, 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 I totally agree with this. So, I, yeah, I think so, fifteen million pounds or sign him f- for free in the summer would have been good as well. Yeah. Um, but not because Ross Barkley is going to make any difference to Chelsea, but because it can't really go wrong because they'll get their money back in the end no matter what. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple of questions from listeners. Uh, this one I think will be for you, Dre. Uh, Harman Singh asks, why is Zidane so reluctant to replace Benzema? Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, Zidane is probably the biggest Benzema fan in the world. He has, he has been with, uh, with him for, for all the bad and good moments. It's like a married couple, but in a good way. Um, so, I personally, I think that um, uh, Real Madrid need another solution up front. And I, I really appreciate Borja Mayoral. I think he has a lot of potential, but is still green but to, he's relu- to fill the shoes. He's reluctant to replace him because if Benzema is not scoring, he still plays an integral role for the team. His ro- his intelligent runs and the space that he makes for other players. And I agree with that. Which is something that, that is something you don't see in a YouTube highlights reel, basically. <clears throat> you know, the, the thing is, uh, in a club like like Madrid, if you're in number nine and you're not scoring enough, you're going to get a lot of, mm. of criticism. He, people have said that about Benzema for years, but he's yeah. seen off every other challenger to, to come and take his place. I think the problem now, I think you're right, Ian, is an unbelievably selfless player which is so rare for a top class striker um, and I, I think with any other striker in the world up front for the past six or seven years Ronaldo wouldn't have scored as many goals no. but if Ronaldo is starting to decline if that is the case which he has to at some point he's yeah. way into it or certainly into his 30s now um if Ronaldo isn't scoring, then somebody has to. And if you've got a striker who's being selfless and creating chances for others and they aren't being scored, then you probably have to replace them eventually with a striker who does score every game. Dec- is- Declining in your 30s is something I know all about. <laughs> <laughs> and this saying. is something that is happening in a moment that no one is good at Real Madrid. It's not about Benzema. <laughs> it's about the team. It's about everyone. Um, but but the, the media pays a lot of attention to that certain guy playing uh, with number nine up front. That okay. Everyone talks about Benzema, but we can start talking about some other fellas in the club that not 
doing well. Well, we've got another Real Madrid question. Can I give it to you? It should. It's... <clears throat> it starts, hey guys, my name is Kevin Hernandez and I'm from the wonderful United States, specifically a smaller state called Delaware. I look forward to your podcast each week and I listen to them on my way to work, sometimes on repeat. Wow. Well, because you guys have awesome topics and subjects that you all debate about. We do. That's Because of Ian's smooth voice. Yeah, that's not wrong. Uh, my question is, with Madrid in fourth place, which is the furthest they've seemed to be... Uh, from first by Christmas for a long time. Do you see Zidane possibly getting the boot before the end of the season? And if so, who'll replace him? Before the end of the season, I don't think so. That might even, be if, even if it, they, they, they get knocked, knocked out of the, of, the, of the Champions League, yeah. um, Zidane is going gonna, is gonna to stay until the end of the season. Okay. Who's going to replace him? When he oh, does get the chop? I know for a fact that uh, Florentino is a big fan of Italian managers, so I can see him going for uh, Allegri. Um, there have been talks about uh, the possible interest in Pochettino, which would, would fit perfectly uh, the club. But I would, my, perf- my, my personal pick uh, would be uh, Leonardo Jardim from Monaco. But well, well, interesting the thing is, Jardin could fit a lot of clubs at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be one of the men, men of the moment uh, during summertime. Would you like an interesting fact about Delaware? Tell me more about <laughs> Delaware. Barrett's Chapel is known as the cradle of Methodism. It was built in 1780 and is the oldest surviving church built by Methodists in the United States. Oh, Shout out to all the Methodists listening. Okay. They'll be happy with that one. <laughs> and if you're a hip-hop fan... Our Jay-Z fan, Young Guru, his name will mean something to you, is from Wilmington, Delaware. Don't know if that means anything. Okay, let's take a quick musical sting and we'll come back and talk Arsenal. Now, Lewis, I noticed at the weekend that Wenger Out was trending. Any particular reason for this? Uh, because it was a weekend. A finger <laughs> <laughs> out trends when Arsenal win as well. Did, um, it have, did it have anything to do with conceding four goals to a championship team with one win in their last eight games? I think that would have been the reason, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he got his dog, by the way. What's his name? I can't... Uh, Eric Lehigh. Lehigh. Got his dog. You'll be delighted to know. <laughs> there was Eric, hashtag Eric should get a dog or something like that on Twitter. <laughs> He's a grown man. If you want a dog, just buy a just dog. Just go buy a dog. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, tell us about it, Lewis. Uh, yeah, so Arsenal, with one defeat in, I think, 25 FA Cup games, mm-hmm. uh, fielded a really a mismatched side. It was um, the BT Sport coverage before the game kept calling them inexperienced. Oh, I wonder how this inexperienced Arsenal team will fare with Davis Spina in goal. Played at World Cups for his country <laughs> per motorcycle over 100 caps for Germany in defence. World Cup winner. Matthew Debushi, years in the Premier League at right back. Um, Danny Welbeck and Theo Walcott in the front three. This wasn't uh, a really inexperienced side uh, by any means, which makes it all the worse. I think, the, I think Arsenal's young players actually played quite well um, and they were just completely let down by those elder statesmen of the team and they were dreadful. Wenger was in the stands watching. You wonder if there would have been any sort of reaction possibly from the bench had he been there, but there was nothing. Um, I think we often see cup ties where the home team from a lower division plays really well at the beginning of a game and maybe even takes the lead. 
And that's what we had. Arsenal found themselves 1-0 down. They scored a scrappy equaliser. And then you expect the the bigger club to take over the game and the home fans to quieten down. And actually, the city ground wasn't even that loud. It wasn't a raucous atmosphere on top of the Arsenal team. Um, but Forrest just kept playing the exact same way and Arsenal didn't know how to respond somehow. Maybe it could have been oh so different if Arsenal ace Alex Iwobi had not been at a party until 3am. A drug fueled party, said the headline. Yeah, well, the headline from a publication we yeah. shouldn't give any more okay. sort of attention to. It was also, it's obviously you shouldn't be out at 3 a.m. Uh, yeah. the weekend of a game, but it was also mm. Friday night and Arsenal played on Sunday. It, uh-huh. it, the, the newspaper in question tried to make it look like it was 12 hours before the game. Uh-huh. It, there was an extra 24 hours in I should have read which, which the it's, it's not. Inex- it's not uh, excusable. He obviously shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, but Slap on the wrist. It, it wasn't quite as bad as it was made out. And Awobi certainly wasn't the worst performer. Uh, I do have a serious question about this. At the moment, Arsenal are sixth in the league, out of the Champions League, out of the FA Cup. No contract for Wilshire. One of their best players leaving for... In pittance, really, for Manchester City. Uh, the chance of their other best player going is looking pretty high. Someone was making the point the other day that Wenger might actually leave the club in a worse state than what he found it in. Is that a bit too harsh? Yeah. It's extremely unfair it's, to, it's just not to right. Wenger's legacy, not only to Arsenal, but to all English football. You just, you, you cannot say something like that. <laughs> okay. Well, I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> It was a good question anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Shut down pretty quickly. Uh, do we want to talk about the Mike Dean stuff? Seeing what he wanted to see. That's a pretty serious allegation from Wenger. A really it serious. Is. And he'd want it to is. he'd want to back that up a bit, I think. He's, yeah. he's Arsenal have had three penalties given against them in the two games since. So I don't if it was a tactic to try and get referees <laughs> on side, it didn't work out. But it is a serious accusation. Uh, it is. It's a, it's a well-known theme across Arsenal fans that Mike Dean doesn't like Arsenal. It uh, often gives big decisions against Arsenal. Um, I, I think it was born out of frustration. And I think all managers say... He's backed it up since, though, hasn't like he? He sort of said I'm He not. has, because I think he's frustrated. I, I don't oh, okay. think it was heat of the moment, but mm-hmm. I think it was um, through frustration. I I think, I think a lot of decisions uh, have gone against Arsenal in games this season. And eventually, after 20 years of... And obviously, I think, <coughs> with the current situation, as it has been for the past few years, Wenger is on edge. And I, I think fairly, in some regards, fairly um, becomes very defensive very quickly. Uh, and I also just think uh, people complain when he now is commenting on referees or the schedule. I don't know what they want him to say. I don't know if they want him to... Like, I I think that's going too far to say that publicly. But um, I'm I'm not sure if they want him to sit in a press conference and say, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing and all of my players are terrible and that is why we lost. Or, or, you know, every manager in the Premier League deflects... Well, yeah. Um, Every manager in the the Premier League and across Europe and across world football deflects... uh, away from their players or themselves and says that the referee is to blame and the schedule and things like that. Uh, I I think it's been taken a bit too seriously, if right. I'm honest. And also, also I, f- I feel like um, Wenger is like the, that old man that after taking so much shit for so many years, it, it just 
snaps and and thought I'm not taking more any any of this shit anymore. So it's 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 going it's going to leave Arsenal soon. We know it's not we know it's not going to be it could be to the end of this season or the next season. So this is the time to snap and and say whatever is is thinking. Yeah, I mean he's obviously got a three match touchline ban at the moment, but at this point after 21 nearly 22 years it doesn't matter who he upsets because he's not going to be there in a couple of years. So he might as well take everyone he can down with exactly. him if, if that's what he wants to do. Go down in flames. Like, go crazy. Go crazy, Wenger. Uh, one of the more it, the interesting stories today in the Evening Standard, I don't know if you saw this, is that uh, Carlo Ancelotti would be open to taking over from Wenger and help that process. I'm, sure, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. <laughs> it's a very nice city, a very rich club in the Premier League when he hasn't got a job. Yeah. I I think Carlo Ancelotti um can't see it. I I th- I think he was a, he's been a fantastic manager and I think his reputation's been hurt a little bit by that Bayern Munich job and how badly that went. There there's definitely an argument for the fact that he couldn't speak German and that's what a lot of the players had an issue with and he's obviously had success in England in the past. But I think they've already appointed uh a communications director from Barcelona and a chief scout from Borussia Dortmund. And I think this is a time now where really Arsenal are looking forward and have to be looking forward. There's no point really, which which isn't to say to appoint somebody who hasn't achieved anything or mm. can't do the job or just someone young for the sake of it. But I think somebody who looks like they're going to move everything forward. And I think Carl Ancelotti is probably more towards the same bracket as Wenger's generation of coach than he is with Antonio Conte and uh, Pep Guardiola and Mauricio Pochettino. Dre, you're nodding your head in agreement. I agree. I agree with that. Okay. Ancelotti, I, I really like Carlo Ancelotti and um, uh, what happened and at Bayern is something very weird that we still don't know about quite well. Um, but I don't think he's the, the right man for the job. Uh, Arsenal needs some some new blood. I think we all know who is the right man for the job. It's it's Mikel Arteta. It's obviously it is, Leonardo Jardim. No, today no, I'm no, going to throw. I'm going it's Arsene Wenger, like it always has been. <laughs> You've both given me the wrong answer. It's obviously Thomas Tuchel. Not so? anymore, because yeah. um, Sven Mislintat and Thomas Tuchel famously hate each other. Oh, the the Borussia Dortmund chief scout that's now joined Arsenal as mm-hmm. the head of recruitment. Um, yeah, he was banned by Tuchel from Dortmund's training ground. Uh, their spat at the club was part of the reason that Tuchel was eventually sacked and Mislintat himself has admitted since joining Arsenal that he'd never considered leaving Dortmund he'd never sort of thought of a time where he couldn't work at Dortmund until Tuchel came along and forced him to think of other possibilities Well Arsenal would be nothing if not dramatic if but see, there, are, there are options out there we, we just picked three different names there you go. We're there to help you, Arsenal. Or Wenger can sign a new deal again. <laughs> Another two years. Don't start. We have one minute left in the podcast, so I would qu- like a quick update on Leon Goretzka. Uh, Leon Goretzka is going to announce his future club in the next few weeks. In the next couple of weeks, it will be sometime in January. Um, and it will almost definitely be Bayern Munich. Okay. Uh, I hate when players do this. Do you remember Eden Hazard did this a couple of years ago? The, the, best, one, the best one was LeBron James in uh, in the NBA. There was a TV show, ESPN held a TV show called LeBron, The Decision, where he, named, where he announced he was going to sign for Miami Heat. Okay. <laughs> I would love to see Leon Goretzka hold his own TV show. 
I don't know if it'd be quite as much fun as uh, as LeBron. Anyway, that's all from us today. My thanks to Lewis, Andre, and producer Demo. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.